Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello there. Welcome to this new episode. I've uploaded tons of episodes this month, haven't I? Well, here's another one. In this one, I'm rambling about various things without preparing very much in advance. Two things. I haven't edited the audio for this uh, at all. So this will include all the little bits that I would normally edit out, like mistakes and things like that. Second thing, there is a video version of this. If you want to watch me while I'm talking... If you want to see me doing this in the Skypod and you can see me doing the whole thing and watch my mouth while it's moving, if you want to watch, you can, either in the app or on the website, but that's only available for the premium subscribers. You can unlock the video online and in the app by becoming a premium subscriber and then just sign in with your login details. Uh, yes, this episode is long, but you don't have to listen to it all in one sitting. You could just listen to a bit then stop and go to work or college or whatever, and then listen to the rest later. This is much more convenient if you're using a podcast app like the Luke's English Podcast app, which is, of course, available in the App Store on your phone. Uh, It's more convenient if you're using a podcast app because the app will remember where you stopped listening, so you can just carry on from that point um, when you finish work or whatever it is that you're doing. This episode is sponsored by italki. If you want to have your own rambling conversations to improve your fluency and confidence with your spoken English, you can find lots of qualified one-to-one teachers and conversation partners there. You don't actually have to travel anywhere to get your English speaking practice now. Just do it at home on Skype with italki. You don't even need to leave the house. It's great. Remember, too, that italki are offering all of you a voucher worth a free lesson. Teacherluke.co.uk slash talk is the URL that you need, or click an italki logo on my site. If you use my link, italki will know that you're a Lepster, and then when you buy some talking time, they will send you the voucher, but only if you use my link. Yep, okay, right, good. So then, let's get started. You're listening to Luke's English Podcast. For more information, visit teacherluke.co.uk. Thank you. Whoa. I'm a random guy. Welcome to this new episode of Luke's English Podcast. That was Steve Martin 
um, and doing a little song that he used to do called, um, what is it, I'm a Rambling Guy. I think that's what it was, uh, what that track is called. I'll probably put a video on the page for this episode so you can listen to the whole thing if you want to. Anyway, hello. Hello there. Um, I'm just going to talk in this episode without lots of preparation. That's the idea. Um, not a lot of preparation. It's, it's, it's always so tempting to um, prepare all of this in advance. And I've just been sitting here just before starting the recording. I've been sitting here going, okay, come on, Luke, let's record an episode without uh, too much uh, preparation this time. Let's just, let's just do one of those slightly unprepared ones. Um, and the thing is, I just keep adding things into my notes. I've got some notes here. I keep, it's really difficult not to keep adding stuff to my notes and not preparing so much in advance. But now it's time to stop writing, stop preparing and just start recording. Because I suppose like everyone, I have to plan my speeches quite carefully. Uh, Or, you know, if I don't plan them carefully, they will end up going off on different tangents and everything will get a little bit out of control. It becomes disorganized. Imagine for you, for example, imagine you are talking to an audience and you're making it all up as as you go imagine just improvising a whole speech in front of an audience um imagine that you'll you'll just end up talking too much or not getting to the point uh your ideas will end up kind of get going a bit sort of wrong or something um so it, it's you know it's exactly the same thing for my podcast if i have an episode that requires some careful preparation then i will write a lot of stuff down in advance but then sometimes it's fun to just speak without much preparation, like in these rambling episodes that I do sometimes. I mean, I usually ramble on the podcast anyway, you might say. Some people have said that to me in the past, that I kind of just ramble. Uh, I'd like to think that uh, my episodes have got a bit more structure than that. But I think the point is that it's difficult for me to be brief and I tend to my sentences just carry on and on and on. Um, so, uh, it's, uh, it's fun to speak without a lot of preparation sometimes, like in these rambling episodes, it's, it's fun. And also it's more authentic for you. Um, because I'm just making up my sentences on the spot in some, I have got some notes here, which I'm reading from some things for this episode are written down, but, but I've decided to stop writing now and just start talking. So my challenges in this episode challenges for me are to just talk without without preparing most of it in advance or at least talk without having prepared everything and to just keep going even if I feel like I've made a mistake and I'd like to start again just keep going Luke that's the other challenge because what often happens is certainly in the first 10 minutes of recording I'll talk and I'll start the episode and then something happens like I'll make a mistake or uh, I just kind of uh, get slightly confused in what I'm saying and then I'm like I'll oh, oh, start again and then I have to start the whole thing again but not in this episode I'm committed to not starting again I have to keep going I'm videoing this as well and as I'm I'm looking at the video I can see a little red light flashing which I think means that maybe the audio is coming into the video a little bit uh, too loud um, so I need to keep an eye on that so yes I am videoing this the, the video version will be available for premium subscribers uh, as a reward for being a premium subscriber that, you know, I said that I'd give you little bonuses and things sometimes. So if you are a subscriber, you'll find the video in the app and the video will either be in the videos category or in the premium category in the app. 
Um, you remember how to find the categories in the app, don't you? On the side menu, see there's three little lines on the top, in the top left-hand corner. Tap that. It'll go to the side menu. Tap categories, and then you'll see all the categories. And you'll find this video in videos or premium. I, I don't know yet which, which category. You can also see the video online at teacherluke.co.uk slash premium. You'll need to log in with your premium login details. And that's, that's also where you can go if you want to sign up and become a premium subscriber to get bonus stuff like this, as well as regular premium episodes that focus on teaching you grammar, vocabulary and pronunciation. That's teacherluke.co.uk slash premium to get that stuff. Okay, so rambling, rambling. Now, um, it's been a while since I did a rambling episode, one that's just devoted to rambling or that has the word rambling in the title. And so some of you might be going, what's rambling, Luke? What's, What's all that then? Uh, well, rambling means basically talking in an unplanned and slightly unorganised way, probably for too long. You can imagine at a business meeting where it's important to give your answers kind of briefly and to get straight to the point in a meeting, and someone saying, so what do you think? And the person going, well, uh, I think that, you know, it sounds like it could be a good Obviously, uh, bearing in mind the different factors, I think that it could be. And the person's like, come on, get to the point, you're rambling. I don't think anyone would actually say that in a meeting. Well, I say that, but, uh, I mean, that sounds a bit rude, doesn't it? If you say, come on, get to the point, you're rambling, that does sound a bit rude. Although, having said that, I do remember someone saying that to me in a meeting once where I was talking and I hadn't quite (laughs) worked out what it is I wanted to say, but my mouth was going. Sometimes my mouth moves faster than my brain and just words come out without them being fully organised by my head. And anyway, I was talking and uh, the guy leading the meeting said to me, Come, Luke, you're rambling, which was a little bit, um, what, embarrassing, I suppose. And uh, so anyway, I have been accused of rambling. Luke, you're rambling. And my response now is like, yes, yes, I am actually. Um, I am rambling uh, in this episode because that's the point. Um, rambling, it's, it's sometimes a weakness of mine that I struggle to be brief when I talk. Uh, But I like to think that, like Batman, I can turn my weakness into my greatest strength. Because Batman is is actually afraid of bats. Did you know that? That's kind of the origin story of Batman, is that he's actually afraid of bats. I think that's in in the first Christopher Nolan Batman film. You see that as a child, he falls into a into the cave, into a bat cave, and there's loads of bats, and it's really frightening for him. And it's all linked to the tragedy of him losing his parents. Um, but he's afraid of bats. He's got a phobia of bats. So Batman is actually afraid of bats. So he becomes a bat in order to conquer his fear. Bats were his weakness, so he became a bat. Well, he didn't actually become a bat. He just dressed as a bat which is not the same thing. I mean, it's, it's kind of like a Halloween costume, really. But anyway, he sort of, he dressed as a bat. And by, by doing that, he somehow becomes fear itself. He owns the fear. And then he uses this power uh, to fight crime and stuff like that and make really good films. Um, similarly, my weakness is that I can talk and talk without really getting to the point sometimes, unless I've planned it all in advance. So I ramble, and so I can become Ramble Man. Ramble Man! And I can use my rambling, I can use rambling to my advantage to become some sort of superhero. Although I have no idea how I can fight crime 
with this ability, except perhaps to give would-be criminals something else to do. Like if I just distract potential criminals by talking to them uh, so that they don't commit any crimes or just distract them away while the police arrive. So there's some guys robbing a bank and my, you know, they're like, quick, call a superhero. Call Spider-Man. He's not available. Uh, uh, one of the other superheroes. No, they're all involved in Infinity War. Okay, uh, what about the DC universe? Uh, do we have to? Anyway, what about Ramble Man? Okay, Ramble Man's available. Ramble Man, come down to the bank. There's a there's a two eleven in progress at the bank. That's like police code, isn't it? There's a two eleven in progress at the bank. Get Ramble Man down here to save the day and i'd come down and the bank robbers are there like involved in the bank robbery and i'm like so um oh did you see the new star wars film i mean you know i quite like star wars not that uh i'd call myself a hardcore fan but you know i think i'm more of a the sort of fan who is you know always looks forward to seeing the films before they come out but it's never going to be the same as it was when uh when we were kids hey eh? you know what i mean because you know when you're chill when you're a child you're sort of and they're like what 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 and then the police arrive and they've been arrested. That's that would be my superhero skill: just distract people by rambling at them until the police come. Yeah. So if you are if you are listening to this while committing a crime of some kind, watch out. Don't don't um, you know? Don't lose concentration uh, because of this episode. Okay. Strange, strange stuff. I'm saying. But that, as I said, that's what happens when I don't plan every word in advance. It's just, it's the same for you. I'm sure it's the same for everyone. I'm not saying I'm different uh, to anyone, but, you know, these are the things that happen, especially when you're doing a podcast and you have to keep talking. It's just like Alan Partridge. It's exactly the same thing. Um, That's one of the reasons why that character is so brilliant, because it's true. When people are broadcasting and they have to keep talking, sometimes they end up talking about some pretty weird things. Anyway, maybe the superhero analogy doesn't really work. I don't know. But it was worth a try, I think. So anyway, I have got some things prepared. It's not utterly unprepared. I have got a few things uh, prepared. So here is a rundown of the stuff that I'm going to ramble about in this episode. So first of all, I'm going to talk about my French test. I had a, a French test recently. I'll talk about that. Um, my recent duck-related error. I made a duck-related mistake. Um, do you, Any idea what that is? Well, you'll find out. Uh, some responses to the Alan Partridge episodes. I've, I wanted to uh, just sort of respond to some of the comments that I'd got and share some of the comments that I got uh, relating to those episodes. Also, some responses uh, which came into the website uh, to me talking with Amber and Paul about the Russian Comedy Club video. I got lots of comments in relation to that episode, so I'd like to uh, at least summarise some of those things. Um, also, I'm going to talk about some news, like the fact that I'm going to be moving out of the Skypod. That's this room where I record these episodes. We're moving, and so it's going to be good. I'm going to have to say goodbye to the Skypod. It really is an end, the end of an era, so I'll talk about that later on and also just a couple of questions like how's your daughter and how's your wife because these are the things that apparently people uh always ask me they want to know especially how's your daughter so i'll maybe i'll tell you a little bit about that later on before we do any of that though i want to give a shout out to the orion team the orion team that's the transcript collaboration team i'd like to say hello and thank you to everyone involved in that team there are people who work together to transcribe episodes of this podcast. Uh, So I'd like to just mention you and say thank you for the work you're doing. But in particular, I'd like to uh, mention a listener 
in the comments section who's very active in the Orion transcription team uh, called Syntropy. I don't think this is the person's real name. It's like a username that they've chosen. Syntropy, by the way. I, th- I, get, I don't know if it's a real word. I think it's sort of a fairly obscure word. But um, basically, you've got entropy, which is, which is when things kind of um, break apart, let's say. And syntropy is, is, is about when things come together and become organized and concentrated and so on. So syntropy is quite a nice username. Um, and certainly this is what Syntropy has been doing in the um, transcription project, organising things and helping things come together. Um, so here's a message from uh, Jack from the comments section. Um, and the message goes like this. Dear teacher, I'm writing to let you know that my acquaintance from the transcription team, Syntropy, has single-handedly transcribed two long episodes of the podcast. I just thought that it would be nice of you to thank him in the next episode of the podcast. Well, thank you, Syntropy, for your uh, outstanding work, because that is a lot of work. Two long episodes. I mean, it takes long enough to record and listen to them, let alone actually transcribe every single word like that with your fingers. Tickety-tickety-tick. That's the noise of typing, apparently. Um, So thank you for for doing that, Syntropy. Uh, Yes, Syntropy has single-handedly transcribed two long episodes of the podcast. That is amazing. Uh, normally, in the transcription project, what you do is uh, everyone just does a few minutes. So the, the whole episode is is broken up into chunks of three minutes per chunk. And uh, people just do, you know, like eat, they just do three minute chunks. You don't normally do the entire episode. It's far too much work. It's like really intensive um, work transcribing that's why you know the episodes get broken up into into three minute chunks and you know when everyone works together and does their chunk the episode gets completed um quite easily uh is this even recording it's (laughs) i've just realized that it's not recording into the audio it's not i didn't press record but it's all right i've got the video recording oh oh my god Sometimes doing sometimes doing this is quite stressful. You know, when I've got the video recorder going and the audio, it's just ah, oh, too much, too much to consider, too much to think about. I've got to think about the re- pressing record on this. I know it's a basic thing, but it's so easy to forget. I've got to think about pressing record on that and getting the levels right on my audio player, which you can see there, audio recorder, and also pressing record on the video player and getting the levels right on that as well. And I've, yeah, I didn't press record on the audio player, but it's okay because the audio is being recorded by the video uh, device. It's just complicated, isn't it? Anyway, thank you, Syntropy, and thank you to all the members of the Orion transcription team. Um, listeners, you can check out their work and get involved too in the transcription project by visiting the website and clicking transcripts in the menu. In the menu of the website, you'll see transcripts and then transcript collaboration. All the information you need is there, including how it works, uh, the rules for it, and everything else, and all of the Google documents with um, all of the transcriptions uh, in them. Okay. Um, It's also extremely good practice for your English uh, to transcribe audio. It really makes you focus on every single word. And working with the team, you see, what you do is you transcribe a bit. If there's something you really don't know, you just have no idea what's being said, like if it's just a noise to you, you can leave a line 
Um, and there's a time code as well. You put a time code next to the bit that you don't know. And then one of the other members of the team will come in and proofread your work. And they might be able to help you and identify um, what word it was. Like someone like Jack, for example, is, has got very good listening skills. And his English is, is actually very, very good. And he's able to proofread transcripts. You know, the, there are many members of the team which who I should mem- uh, mention. Uh, who work, you know, varying levels of English. It works together great, and there are lots of transcripts. Listeners, you could just go and check out the transcripts for episodes if you want. Uh, website, transcripts, transcript collaboration, and you'll find the folders there. So thank you, Syntropy. In fact, here is a comment from Syntropy that I got the other day, just by coincidence, and I thought it was worth sharing on the uh, on the podcast. So this is the comment from uh, Syntropy, and I'm just going to read it out to you now. Uh, hi, Luke, and hello, Lepsters. Luke, I just wanted to say thank you so much. I'm a long-term listener, although I haven't been able to catch up with all of the episodes. Luke's English podcast uh, has been my main resource for learning English, and thanks to you, I've managed to score C1 level in a placement test. C1 is advanced level. That's great. You know, you've got uh, A1, A2, B1, B2, C1, and C2. C2 is like the holy grail uh, that's proficiency level. It's very difficult to get to C2, um, depending on you, on the situation that you're in. But anyway, C1 is is very respectable level to get to. It's advanced. Um, well done, Syntropy, Really, I mean, I know because I'm, I'm, you know, I'm attempting to learn French. I'm not applying myself to it as I should, as many of you are applying yourselves to English. Um, but uh, I know what C1 means, basically. Uh, so, Syntropy continues by saying, I travelled to Manchester in order to study English for a couple of months. Before the trip, I'd listened to your Alan Partridge episodes. When the teacher asked me about my method for learning English, you were the first person that crossed my mind. And uh, the teacher got really surprised, since very few learners of English really listen to podcasts. Then I mentioned Alan Partridge, and we even had a small talk about comedy. If it wasn't for Luke's English podcast, I wouldn't have such knowledge on British culture. For example, uh, you know, British culture, for example, not to mention other things like pronunciation and vocabulary. You definitely helped me to achieve a high level in this crazy language. In the end, she told me that my level was actually higher than advanced. You have no idea of how happy I got after what she said. And I must say that it was pretty much all due to you and your podcast. I don't agree with that, Syntropy. I think maybe my podcast has helped and it's provided you with a resource, but I think all credit has to go to you, right? I mean, it, listeners, I think, uh, although I'm, I'm here to help and I'm, I'd like to try and make the process easier, I think if you do get to that level, it can only be down to you. Just in the same way that, for example, if I'm not making progress in French, it's only my fault. I, don't, I can't blame anyone else. I think in language learning, you can only really make progress if you take some level of responsibility for your learning as an adult. So anyway, Syntropy, I appreciate the flattering comments, but I think, you know, I think you're the one who um, uh, is responsible for for your progress. Um, Syntropy continues by saying, I remembered that rambling chat with Moz. Uh, it's an old from an old episode in which you talked about a similar experience you had with a student who also listened to your podcast. Ha ha. That's right. I talked to my friend Moz about that. I 
said that I had a student in one of my classes who just happened by coincidence to be a listener to this podcast before she even realized she was in my class. So she turned up in my class and I was teaching and I said, oh, by the way, I've got a podcast. And this student was like, oh, wait a minute. Are you Luke from Luke's English Podcast? And I was like, oh, yeah, I am. And so she was a listener. But also I noticed just, I don't know if it's because she was a listener or that she listened because she was a good student. I don't know what comes first, the chicken or the egg. What, you know, what comes first? A student listens to the podcast and so they become a good learner of English or a student listens to the podcast because they're a good learner of English. It's hard to tell which one, you know, which causes the other one. I think they're probably mutually beneficial that the more, I suppose, the more you listen to podcasts, not just this one, any podcast for learners of English, the more you listen, the better a student, the better student you become. And so they kind of complement each other. Um, and I can't thank you enough, Luke. Also, a special thanks to the brilliant Orion team for transcribing the episodes. Keep it up. There's definitely method to the madness. Cheers, Syntropy. I like that line a lot. There's definitely method to the madness. Because I wonder sometimes. <clears throat> I mean, as a as a teacher, having been a teacher for 17 years, I just, I know kind of what it's like when students come to your school. They, a lot of them require convincing they need to be convinced that there's a method at work they need to be convinced that there is some level of um pedagogical um methodology behind what you're doing and i wonder when people listen to this podcast they just think it's just a it's just a guy rambling it's just rambling it's not there is a met there's method to the madness there is um so thank you syntropy it's very nice to, to hear your report and I'm very happy that you have done so well with your English and well done to you and el- and all the rest of you as well you know give yourself a pat on the back really oh a little scratch of my back there uh give yourself a pat on the back just generally for uh you know making the effort to uh learn English and push yourself a lot of people just don't a lot of people just want the simple solution they just want the kind of little package they want, you know, English to be like a hamburger that you buy from McDonald's. I'll have one hamburger, please. And it's given to you over the counter. You eat it. Problem solved. Well, English is not like that. It's not like a hamburger. I mean, you know, I don't know if any of you thought that English was like a hamburger. Is that something that you've you've been thinking about while going around in your life? Like, go, go down the road, get the bus. Yeah, English is just like a hamburger, isn't it? Um, I don't know if you've been thinking that. Anyway, just to confirm, English is not like a hamburger. Learning a language is not like a sandwich. It's not just some quick thing that you do um, and then problem solved. It's, it's you know, as you know, it's a, it's much more of a long-term process. You have to commit yourself to it. There is no single quick solution. Um, it's just something that you have to get into your life. And you, it helps if you develop a personal attraction to to the language and you have to be compelled from inside you. you can, no one could make you learn a language. You can only do it from your, from within yourself. The motivation has to come from within you. And motivation is maybe the most important thing. Motivation, so you actually want to do it. And then time, time and practice. Uh, practice, practice, practice over time. And eventually the effect of that will long-term be progress in the language that's the idea positivity motivation um and resources are important because you need to find things that are going to help your motivation so i hope that luke's english podcast is a resource that uh, 
you know, is helpful as part of that process. Um, right. I mentioned before that uh, I'd taken a French test. So Syntropy just mentioned his, his, I think, I think Syntropy's a he. Sometimes it's hard to tell when my students are male or female, when they don't say if it's just a name. I think Syntropy is male. I had an experience once as an English teacher when um, I had a brand new class and this is back in the days when I was working in London in a, in a school on Oxford Street. And um, it was not a bad school. But sometimes those those schools, uh, they pack your classes full of students and they just, you know, the, the, the school just like, OK, keep the students coming in. And they're just constantly new students coming into your class all the time. Anyway, I had this big class. It must have been about... I guess there were about 16, not that big compared to some of the classes I have taught. But anyway, I had about 16 students in the class and it was day one. And a typical day one activity is you get students to get in pairs and quickly interview their partner and then introduce uh, their partner to the group because it gives them a chance to immediately start speaking. Um, you can listen into their conversations and write down some, er <coughs> some errors and correct them afterwards um and they get to know each other you know it's it's important to help the group bond together also they get a chart they get practice of speaking uh to one person and speaking to a group of people it's you know it's good practice so anyway i got them all in pairs now there, there's one student who arrived a little bit late and honestly i couldn't tell if the student was male or female i just it's you know sometimes you meet people who it's just not clear if they're a boy or a girl and so I was trying to teach the class, you know, day one, it's quite a stressful day. You're trying to make the right impression, trying to keep things moving, trying not to ramble too much in your introductory uh, bit about the about the course and stuff, trying to keep it, you know, sharp, short and sweet. Um, and so I put them all in pairs and uh, this this new student arrived and he or she uh, had no partner. So I said, OK, don't worry, I'll, I'll talk to you. So I interviewed this person while also trying to pay attention to everyone else. And um, we interviewed each other and stuff. And then it was time for us all to introduce uh, the people to the, to the group. And I still hadn't worked out if it was a boy or a girl. It's so embarrassing. So embarrassing for me. So embarrassing for them. Anyway, I don't know how obvious it was. <laughs> but... When it came to my turn to introduce the, I can't remember the person's name now. Let's call him or her Bob. Okay. Bob's a male name, but anyway, let's say Bob. So, and so I, the thing is when I was introducing him or her, I couldn't say him or her or he, uh, or she or his or hers. You know, I couldn't use any of those pronouns. Um, and I didn't want to say they. Because they're all, they're all going to think that would be strange. Like they, there's only one person. They is actually a pronoun which is like non-gender specific, by the way. Uh, but it's only usually used when you can't actually see the person there. Or if in some cases of transgender, you know, all that stuff. But um, anyway, so I was introducing Bob and I just couldn't say he or she because <laughs> I didn't want to commit to one or the other so i was like bob is from blah -de blah and bob does this and bob likes this and bob and it was just really obvious anyway that was embarrassing anyway syntropy i think is is male fine uh okay uh, i feel like i've made it awkward now by by telling that anecdote i didn't mean to 
let me move on swiftly to the French test. So I had a French test. Syntropy told us about having a level check in Manchester at an English language school and getting C1 level. Nice one. Well, I had a French test as well um, this summer. Now, why did you have a French test, Luke? Well, uh, I had my French level check uh, level test because I'm currently in the process of applying for French citizenship. That's right. I'm going to get a French passport. I'm going to become French. <gasps> yes, I'm going to become French. Now, I will be. I'm actually going to get dual citizenship, dual dual nationality. So I will be both British and French. So I'm not going to lose my British citizenship. Um, I will be. 100% British, but I'll also become legally French too. Why, Luke? Why are you becoming French? Well, I've, I live in France. I live in Paris. And also, basically, Brexit. Brexit is due... I mean, the the Article 50 comes into effect on the 29th of March next year. Article 50 is basically the clause of the, of the European Treaty, which, um, you know... It, uh, dictates how Britain is going to leave the European Union. Basically, we're going to leave on the 29th of March, as things stand right now. We don't know what's going to happen. Maybe there'll be another referendum. I find that hard to believe. I hope it'll happen, but I find it hard to believe that there will be a second referendum on, on this decision. There should be, because frankly, Brexit's a, it's a, it's a bloody disaster. I mean, it's I've been into this in detail with my dad on the podcast. Uh, there will be some people listening to this who still think that Brexit is for some somehow a good idea, maybe based on some idealistic notion that Britain's going to take back control of its borders and it's all about British sovereignty and all this sort of thing. Britain is not going to take back control. It's going to be out of control. It's going to be chaotic and it's going to be messy, costly, dangerous and generally bad for everyone. Even if you think even if you're one of these guys in pubs who think that this is all about Britain taking back its empire and get, making Britain great again, I don't know what planet you're living on. You're on cloud cuckoo land, Alice in Wonderland. In reality, it's an extremely uh, dangerous and reckless thing to cut all of those diplomatic relations and all those many other connections that we have with our neighbouring countries, the trade agreements um this the the safety standards the security agreements uh the scientific alliances that we have all of that stuff um it's 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 a terribly bad idea uh but and so because of brexit i don't know what my status will be um on the 30th of march and there's quite it's quite possible that uh the british government and the european um parliament or the european commission uh won't make an agreement they just won't be able to make a satisfactory deal and so there's a good chance that britain will just crash out of europe uh at the end of march and there'll be no deal and so things like my status as a british citizen living in the european union will be unknown at that point now i don't think that they're going to make me go back to england and they're not going to you know send the guys they're not going to send round um uh, you know, guys with big boots on and, and uh, riot gear. Uh, the stormtroopers are not going to be sent round to my apartment and they're not going to grab me and kick me out. I hope not. Anyway, it would be a bit strange if they did that. Unnecessary. But um, 
Uh, the fact is, I just, we just don't know what's going to happen. So my status is going to be up in the air. And what might, you know, at the very uh, least, I'll have to do lots of annoying applications for temporary residence visas and stuff like that. And uh, I just don't want the hassle and I don't want the uh, uncertainty. So the best way is to secure my right to to stay here with my family my wife and my daughter and to continue doing living the life i'm living so i don't have to leave them and go back to england and like live with my parents or something um the the best way to do it is just to become french so vive la france vive la république i'm going to become french uh, and British, though I'll still be, I'll have the two passports. So the Europe, I mean, maybe the the becoming French and keeping the EU passport will just mean I don't have to queue up for a long time at the airport or the Eurostar because the people who don't have EU passports, I imagine, I don't know what the French border police, how they will react to British uh, people coming through. Maybe they'll make us wait in a in a room. I don't know. We just don't know. So it makes more sense for me to just become French. Now, becoming French is complicated because there's a lot of administration, lots of documents needed need to be provided. I need to provide birth certificates for me, birth certificates for my mum and my dad, my parents' marriage certificate. All of those things have to be original documents and they have to be legalised, like stamped by a proper uh, authority. And so that means I've got to buy the certificates online, have them sent to me, then get them legalised by sending them off. It's very costly. And then I've got to jump through lots of other hoops, like I've got to do this application form. I've got to do that. I've got to provide uh, different types of proof of address and uh copies of my passport. I've got to pay a certain amount of money. I've got to tick lots and lots of boxes. And one of the things I've got to do is I have to um, I have to prove that I have a certain level of French uh, in order to get citizenship. Now, the, the, the base level that they, the requirement that they need is um, B1 level of French. Okay. Now, for listeners to this podcast, you've probably got at least B1 level. You've probably got B2, C1, maybe even higher than that. I think generally my podcast, most of the people who listen to this, in fact, if you're still listening to this now, after nearly 40 minutes, I think you've definitely got B1. You've you've probably got B2. You might well have C1 level. If you're able to keep listening and you haven't just given up or fallen asleep, then you've you've got at least B1 level, I think. Um, Anyway, B1, intermediate level, that's what I needed. And you'll know that if you've heard my other episodes where I talked ex- uh, explicitly about my experiences of learning French, you'll know that my my level. Well, I'm 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 a bit conflicted about my French, and I've I'm I feel a bit um, ashamed of my level of French because I've been living here for nearly six years now, and so obviously, of course, my French should be perfect. I should be C two now, right? Well, except you know what I always say is that my French is not progressing very well but my excuses are getting better all the time i'm fluent in excuses now um you know because i i work in english uh my i i speak to my wife in english she speaks very good english so we speak english at home i speak english with my daughter um well not that she speaks much english back to me at the moment it's just dad 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 mainly yeah um dada i mean that is kind of english she doesn't say papa anyway 
I speak English at work. I speak English uh, in, when I'm doing my stand-up comedy. I've got French friends and stuff, uh, but often they their English is better than my French often, so we end up speaking in English. I've got lots of excuses. You should never make excuses when you're learning a language. You've got to take responsibility. I've got lots of excuses. I also take responsibility for the fact that I'm not applying myself in the in the many ways that I could. In all, you know, all the different advice that I give to people on my podcast and in my uh, language classes about, you know, ways that you can improve your language. I mean, it's, uh, that's why I feel ashamed because I feel like a hypocrite that I say all these things and I don't actually apply them to myself. Ah, dear. Don't judge me. Don't judge me for it, please. Uh, be, be, be kind. Be kind. Mm. Um, what was I talking about? <laughs> that's it the french test so i needed to get b1 level french so i applied for a test in a local school and i uh and I, the test date came along i did some practice at home i was doing basically i had to do two parts of the test uh i had to do a speaking part and a listening part and i was doing my listening practice i do my listening is better than my speaking that's normally the case isn't it anyway uh but my listening is definitely better than my speaking because i spend quite a lot of time listening to people speaking uh french obviously just around me and on television and all that stuff so my listening's pretty good and i was doing practice listening tests at home online and i was getting like c1 in the listening part, which amazed me. I was like, really? I'm really getting C1? Because to be honest, in my day-to-day life, I quite often feel completely lost. I mean, I'm often at, completely out of my depth. Uh, if, if I'm at a dinner party and everyone's talking, I'm just playing. I'm just, it's like I'm watching a game of tennis. And then after a while, I just, I don't know where the ball is anymore. And I'm just, what is going on? I don't know. And then my brain just starts to shut down and I start to fall asleep. It's terrible, especially if I've been drinking wine. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm used to doing a lot of listening, but I'm also used to being completely out of my depth and not understanding what's going on. So I was doing the practice test, getting C1 in the practice tests for listening, which was great. But I was worried about the speaking part. I'd practiced the speaking part of the test with my wife. We had some sample questions and things and I was going through it. So anyway, test day, go down to the test centre. I felt, wow, this is weird. It's like the shoe is on the other foot. Normally, I'm the one who's giving the test. I'm the one who's examining people's level of, of, of their lang- the target language. But in this case, here I am. The, the tables have been turned and now I'm, I am the learner. It's like that scene in Star Wars, or, you know, uh, once I was the master. Now, what is it? Uh, once I was the learner, now I am the master or something. Oh, I don't know. There's always a Star Wars reference if you can be bothered to make it. Uh, uh, so anyway, I'd go, I went down to the center and before the test, I was kind of like trying not to be stressed. I was trying to th- think of, all the things I'd told my, my students in the past of like, just relax, just before the test, just, you know, maybe listen to something in, in English before you start the test, maybe just run through some of the answers in your head, but make sure you get plenty of sleep, make sure you eat well, you know, drink some water, drink, have some coffee, whatever it is you need to do, but make sure you relax. So I was doing that. I was relaxing and stuff and I'd, I walked down to the, to the school and it was a hot day. This was in July or August. And uh, it was hot and I was trying not to sweat, trying not to sweat, trying to keep my cool. It came to be my turn. So I went into the uh, exam room, empty classroom, just one girl. She was younger than me. She must have been in her 20s, like sort of fairly. She looked like she was a fairly new teacher or something. I don't know. But anyway, she was the one who was doing the test with me. 
and she was recording it as well. The recording was going to be sent off to some other test center to be examined by another, um, another examiner. And four parts of the test. Yeah. Part one, just general chat, like kind of introduce yourself, little small talk questions. No problem. I was okay with that. I did that well. I'm able to, I've got about 10 minutes of good French in me, right? 10 minutes of good French-ish, five to 10 minutes of good French. I say good French. I mean, I can survive for five to 10 minutes. I find that after 10 minutes, I just, everything starts to crumble because you tend to usually move on to more complex subjects after that amount of time. And, you know, the, the, com- the conversation usually becomes a bit more abstract or whatever after about 10 minutes of small talk. And that's when I'm not really capable of doing it properly. And also, I usually run out of things to say after 10 minutes. I mean, I'm quite good at just saying who I am and where I'm from and what I'm doing and, uh, you know, those basic things. But then I run out of French after 10 minutes and it just the the whole thing starts to crumble uh so anyway the first part was fine i probably made lots of mistakes and things but you know i was okay the second part was a kind of role play situation uh where um was it three or four parts it doesn't matter the second part was a was was a sort of role play and she said to me okay i'd like to imagine that i am your friend and i've just got a new job And you have to just ask me lots of questions about the job. And it was timed for about two minutes. And so, you know, she gave me little instructions on paper. And it's like, you know, ask about the pay and the conditions and and the the staff and and all that stuff. So I was basically able to do that kind of, oh, wow, you've got a new job. Hey, Uh, using the right uh, words, because in French, when you're talking to a friend, you, you, you use tu instead of vous. And so I was using two and, and I think I was conjugating the verbs correctly f- for that and, and all that stuff and, and being quite natural. And I was imagining I was speaking to a friend and I was probably using little bits of informal language. And that was basically okay. I, mean, I don't think I was great, but I managed to get through it. The third part, that's when everything started to crumble. I mean, everything crumbled quite severely in the third part of the test because, uh, what happened? So she said to me, okay. Uh, yeah, that's it. She said, I'd like to talk for a minute. Was it a minute or two minutes? I can't remember now, but I had to talk on my own for a while. And she said, what are you going to talk about? And I didn't understand the topic. I didn't really understand the question. That was the problem. What I understood was, she said, the question was, do you think like you have to talk about, um, what was it now? Yeah. Is it more difficult for adults as we as they get older to change their lifestyle is it is it does it become more and more difficult for adults to change their lifestyle as they get older what do you think so i had to like construct a minute or two's worth of discourse a little sort of speech about this subject that's what i understood she'd said what she actually said was is it difficult to change your eating habits as you get older because she used a word that i didn't know and the word was alimentation. Now I know what it means. It basically means diet or eating habits. It's a fairly common word. I had heard the word before, but I just didn't really know specifically what it meant. I didn't realize that it meant basically food and eating habits. So I was there attempting to talk for a minute about how it's difficult to change your lifestyle. And 
I don't know how I managed to blag my way through for about 40 minutes, 40 seconds, but I was getting really hot and I was pouring sweat. I mean, suddenly my forehead just, just turned on the sweat and I was just, sweat was, drops of sweat were running down my face. It was really hot. I mean, it was the middle of the heat wave in, uh, in summer this year. And I was, I was, I dressed up in a shirt. I wanted to make myself look presentable. I was wearing a shirt and everything and, and smart trousers. And I was just boiling, pouring sweat, sweat dripping off my nose. It was incredibly embarrassing. I was trying and I felt very self-conscious. She was sitting right in front of me and I kind of, it all broke down. And I basically was saying things like, well, it's, it, uh, adults find it quite difficult to change their lifestyle as they get older. Uh, for some reason, children are, it's easier for children because they're more adaptable. Uh, but for some reason, and I don't know why, adults find it harder to, to change the way that they live as they get older. And then I kind of kept making that same point over and over again and doing lots of, um, uh, and, and <laughs> sweating. And then she said to me, okay, okay, but what about alimentation? Meaning what about, you know, eating habits? And I was like, uh, when I said, you know, on fait, je, je sais pas le, le, I don't know the word alimentation. What does that mean? And she was like, oh, it means nourriture, eating. And I was like, ah, right. Okay. And then time was up. And so, you know, I just thought, oh God, that was absolutely a disaster. I mean, I, I, dry, I dried up. Uh, I, I wasn't able to keep going. And plus, I just looked like a disaster zone. It must have been very awkward. And so time was up. That It was actually just three parts, I remember now, not four. It, you get four parts in Cambridge Advanced Certificate speaking to, in the speaking test uh, of CAE, uh, but in my French test, three. And so it was finished. He pressed stop on the recorder, and she seemed fine. I was there crumbling, like, you know, having a crisis, and she was just fine. So she probably, you know, it's just like just another person struggling with part three of this test. Next, please. And, you know, as we were you know, we were stopping. I said to her in in my bad French, I said, what I understood was, oh, part three was hard. Whew. Part three was difficult, I said. And she replied, oh, no, it's okay. We have a lift in the building. <laughs> Which is just absolutely typical of the interactions I have in French, where I say one thing and the person just completely misunderstands what I've said. I've probably pronounced a word wrong or at least I've just been completely incoherent and they've just used the context to, 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 to work out what I'm saying and it's just totally led them in another direction. And she obviously just saw me pouring with sweat and she thought, well, clearly the only thing that he could be saying now is that uh, he's very hot and he has to climb, he now has to walk down three flights of stairs. That's what she must have thought. Even though we were on the second floor of the building? I don't know. So I said, oh, part three was hard. And she said, yeah, but it's okay. You've got, th- uh, we have a lift. <laughs> she thought I said, oh God, oh, I have to walk down three flights of stairs now and I'm so hot, which is not what I said at all. So I left with mixed emotions because I thought, oh God, I think I'm going to scrape it. I think I could scrape through with with a B1 because I did okay, basically in parts one and two. Part three was definitely a disaster but I think I'm probably going to survive. Um, the listening part was actually earlier on at another date. And remember, I'd been getting C1 in the listening at home. When I got there in the room, uh, some of the other 
candidates were chatting to each other in French, and they're all brilliant. So there was me thinking, oh God, they're all much better than me. All normal thoughts. This is what everyone thinks, right? I'm sure that half of my students, when they've come to my language classes or come to language schools where I've worked on their first day, they're probably going through a similar process of like, oh, everyone's much better than me. I'm rubbish and stuff like that. Uh, It's very easy to fall into that kind of mindset when you're out of your comfort zone. You start to panic and you start to think that you're worse than you are. Um, And I'm, I'm often very negative about my French. I have to say, I often beat myself up about it. I don't know why. I think it's because... Oh, anyway, never mind. Um, But uh, so the listening part, so I sat down, it's all done on a computer and I was going through it. But for some reason, just having other people in the room and being in a different place, it put me off. Like I get self-conscious when there's other people there. I wasn't able to focus properly. So I was going through each part of the listening and it goes pretty quickly. You You have to read a question You have to uh, read a question, look at all the multiple choice options and listen to the audio uh, all at the same time and choose the right option. Multiple choice is usually pretty good. You know, multiple guess, they call it sometimes, because you can kind of just guess your way through. But I just, I don't know what it was, just that extra factor of being out of my comfort zone meant that uh, I just, I just, I was right on the edge of understanding everything. It was just like, uh, I don't really understand that. I'm clicking that, but I'm not sure it's the right answer. In my practice tests, I was usually pretty sure of the right answer for most of them. It's like 20 questions or 30 or 40 questions. I can't remember now. I've just wiped it all from my memory now. But um, I was usually, you know, when you you can be pretty sure you've got the right answer, you know, and you can think kind of clearly, but I just wasn't able to think clearly. So I was really out of my comfort zone. I felt like I wasn't sure about any of the answers. And it was like, oh God, I'm not sure about that, but I think it's A. Oh God, here comes the next one. Concentrate, concentrate. Uh, still can't seem to penetrate this listening. And so I left that thinking, oh no, I, I could easily have got them all wrong. And, I, and as... Well, when when your test is finished, it tells you what your result is. So at the end, <clears throat> the final screen tells you the result, and I got I got B two. What a what a relief! I actually got B two, not as good as I could have done, but uh, not that bad. B two. I later worked out that I was right on the borderline of B two and B one. One point difference between B two and B one, and I was that one point. If I'd got one point less, I would have been B1. I mean, B1, it was enough to pass, okay? But um, <clears throat> I knew that I needed to get a good result in the listening or I potentially would fail the whole test. So I got B2, thank God. And I was looking at all the other screens as I went out, all the other screens in the room, and I could see all of them, C2, C2, C2. I was like, what? who are these people? getting C2 in this test. Probably people applying for French citizenship like me, but they've been living in France for ages and who'd actually apply themselves to learning the language. Or maybe they'd married some French person and, you know, French was the the language of their household. I don't know. Anyway, I, I just kind of felt, oh God, I, I got lucky. I managed to survive that one. I dodged that bullet. And then the speaking part, well, I had to wait a few weeks for the result to come in. Um, and then I got the results I think in the beginning of September. And the result was I passed. Hey, I got B1 overall in the, 
excuse me. I got B1 overall in the whole test. I passed. I got the required thing. I got the certificate. So I did it. And you know what? It's like the, maybe the first positive thing uh, that's happened to me with French, I think. Proper, first proper positive experience I've had uh, with French, that getting that certificate. So, oh, what a relief. And I actually feel these days better. It's definitely getting better, the French. Again, I should apply myself to it every day. I should be doing controlled practice every day. I should be keeping a notebook. I should be recording myself in French. Um, I should get myself a one-to-one teacher or a speaking partner. So many things I should be doing that I'm not. So instead, I'm, I'm taking the long road you could say, but I'm going to get there. But yeah, that was nice to, to, to know that I've kind of got to an intermediate level without making a lot of effort, to be honest with you. So it's taken my time, but I've got there. So there it is. I've got the certificate, which now goes into my dossier, uh, which is part of my application for French citizenship. I don't know when it's all going to go through. It takes a long time. At the moment, I'm waiting for all of those birth certificates and things to come back with all those legal stamps on them. Then I need to get them translated by an official translator, which is going to cost money. (sighs) Yeah, I'm not going to get the the French passport in time for the end of March. It's not going to be in time, but it it will come eventually. And then uh, then I can, I guess, relax a bit uh, about about Brexit, even though it's going to it's it's going to be like a kick in the stomach for for my country um it, i think and you know that's not me being unpatriotic i'm patriotic i love my country you know i love the good things about my country and you know being against brexit is not being un unpatriotic it's not undemocratic in all those arguments that you hear which are mostly bullshit you know the arguments against i mean i understand the whole the people have spoken it's the it's the people's choice the right of the people but the the leave campaign broke the law um and they lied to the public uh people voted for brexit for lots of different reasons the brexit that they're going to get is for the most part not what they voted for i could go on and on and on about that about why it's a bad idea but anyway um it looks like I'm going to get a French passport. Imagine that I'm going to be French. I'm not going to change my name. You do have the option when you get a French citizenship. You can sort of uh, Frenchify your name. So I could become Luke instead of Luke. Luke, which is spelled L-U-C. And Thompson, I don't know what the French version of that would be, like Dupont. Maybe I could become Luke Dupont. Bonjour, bienvenue au uh, le podcast de Luke Dupont. It would be weird, wouldn't it? So anyway, I guess my French, the French version of me will be Luke Dupont or something. But uh, no, Luke Thompson. Luke Thompson. Yes, I'm still going to be Luke Thompson. It'll be Luke Thompson in my French passport, of course. And don't worry, this is not going to become Luke's French podcast. Uh, my French is not quite ready for that yet. Uh, yes, Luke Thompson. They're, in France, they, they often can't spell my name. Because when I tell people my name... They write it down, Thompson, like the television, like the TVs, because there's a uh, television manufacturer called Thompson. So they write Thompson, T-O-M-P-S-O-N. And I have to say, no, no, T-H. And then I say, Thompson, with a P, because there's a P in my name. 
And this happens all the time. I say, they say, what's your name? And I say, Thompson with a P and they write Pompson. Like seriously, Thompson with a P and they, they write Pompson, P-O-M-P, P-O-M-S-O-N, Pompson, <laughs> Thompson with a P. Oh God. Oh Jesus. So anyway, there you go. I'm, I'm going to be French and I've got my, I've got my certificate. Oh, next thing on this, uh, on the agenda for this rambling episode, which might become two episodes, my, my duck related error. I made a duck mistake. Duck, yes, the duck, the bird. Quack, quack, quack. Ducks. I made a duck-related error in episode 555. Do you know what that error was? Any idea? <coughs> Got a little itchy throat here. Just take my time. You don't, you're not going to blame me for taking my time in this episode, are you? And pausing sometimes just to cough or maybe have a little drink of coffee. Mm-hmm. Yes, I'm drinking coffee. I still drink tea. Tea and often it's tea in the morning, coffee in the afternoon, or coffee in the morning, tea in the afternoon. I don't know. Anyway, I drink both. Uh, my duck-related error in episode five hundred and fifty-five, I talked to Raphael, and we ended up talking about Disneyland and how there are weird, illogical mistakes in Disney cartoons, like the fact that in D- Mickey Mouse, his his best friend is Goofy. Goofy is a dog. He walks upright and he wears clothes, but. Mickey Mouse also has a pet who is a dog called Pluto. And so Pluto is there on all fours, naked, with a with a um, a, a lead around his neck. And then there's Goofy, also a dog, standing up in, with clothes on. And, and Goofy must be thinking, Pluto, what are you doing? You, uh, get some clothes on. Uh, and also, <clears throat> we talked about how Donald Duck, not Daffy Duck, that's it. I said Daffy Duck. It's Donald Duck. And this is obviously very important to correct. I can't get my, my, my cartoon ducks mixed up. Uh, that's an a unforgivable mistake. Although I do hope you forgive me. Uh, but I was, it was brought to my attention on Twitter, I think. Someone wrote to me, said, It's Donald Duck, not Daffy Duck. Um, and so uh, I would just like to say, yes, it is Donald Duck. You know, the white one. There's two cartoon ducks. There's Daffy Duck, who is uh, who's black. Uh, I mean, I don't know if you have race in the duck world, if it's the same as it is in the human world. I'm not going to go there. He's just has to happen to have, he happens to have black feathers. That's Daffy Duck. And Daffy Duck is the one who goes, how does Daffy Duck speak? Daffy, 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 Daffy Duck, Daffy Duck kind of speaks like this, doesn't he? He's got sort of a lisp. (coughs) Oh, Luke, what are you talking about? Rambling. Daffy Duck. Let's see if we can find a bit of Daffy Duck. But we want the old Daffy Duck from the old Looney Tunes, Warner Brothers cartoons. Um, all right, so here we go. This is Daffy Duck from 1943. This is the, the black one. The Warner Brothers cartoons, absolutely brilliant. You have to admit, just classic entertainment. Let's hear Daffy Duck speak. Come on. Right. Right, so th- uh, this may be the first ever Daffy uh, Daffy Duck cartoon. Um, and it's got... Who's that pig? Porky, Porky Pie? Is that his name? I don't remember. There's the pig, and he's hunting for ducks. 
Where's the sound gone? There we go. Here he is. This is Daffy Duck, and he's got that full of lisp. He's got a full of a lisp. Duck shot. More duck shot. Duck shot. Duck shot. Meaning that's like, um, like when you fire a shotgun, you can have different ammunition that goes in a shotgun. Shotgun. It could be shotgun pellets or some stuff like bits of metal, which sometimes is called duck shot. Um, stuff that you would use in a shotgun to try and shoot a duck. So anyway, that's Daffy Duck. He speaks like that. Confidentially, those hunters couldn't hit the broad side of a duck. Those hunters couldn't hit the broad side of a duck. Those hunters couldn't hit the broad side of a duck. So that's Daffy Duck. But what about Donald Duck? Because these are the ducks I got con- I got them mixed up, you know. Uh, so it's very important to, to clarify which one's Donald and which one's Daffy. Donald is from Disney. Daffy is from Warner Brothers. Let's hear a bit of Donald Duck. Whoa, loud. Come on. Okay, let's let's for- fast forward to when he starts talking. Does Donald Duck talk? So in this episode, like uh, Donald Duck is visited by his cousin, who's called Gus, and and Gus appears to be a goose or something. Come on, maybe there's no talking in Donald Duck. I can't remember. So, uh, so Donald Duck is about to eat some soup and the doorbell rings and it disturbs him and he's like, oh God, I've got to go and answer the door. That's it. That's how Donald Duck's... I can't do it. I can't do his voice. You get the idea though, right? So obviously I have to, you know, clarify this mix up. So it's, I was talking about Donald Duck, not Daffy Duck. What was I saying? That Donald Duck, if you remember from the cartoons, he just wears a blue jacket and that's it. He's basically naked from the waist down. That's how he lives his life. He's just out and about naked with no trousers on, no, no pants. But when he has a shower or a bath, when he comes out, he has a towel wrapped around his waist. Why? It makes no sense. Um... So anyway, I hate to get my duck names wrong. Uh, it's, it's, it is funny, though, isn't it, when you spot these sorts of inconsistencies in cartoons, you know, like the logical inconsistency. Obviously, that's the joy of cartoons, and you're not really supposed to think about these things that much. But I like to do that. I like to overthink all these things. It's fun, isn't it? Um, another listener also pointed out another scene. Someone sent me a photograph in which Donald Duck and his three uh, duck children are sitting down for dinner. <clears throat> and they're eating some kind of roast bird. It's like a there's a big roast meal on the table with a bird that's been roasted. Is it a roast chicken or a roast turkey or maybe a roast duck or a goose? But there, there they are, all ducks sitting around the table with a big roast bird on the table. And what are they cannibals? Is that is that what's going on? They're, they're just cannibals. They're just going to eat one of their own. I don't know. So anyway, I just needed to clarify. Uh, that and to fix that duck mistake that I made. Okay, good. We did that. We've done that. Good. All right. One hour and six minutes. Let's keep going. 
responses to the Alan Partridge episodes. I did three episodes about Alan Partridge uh, recently. And the, the good in those episodes, I explained some comedy and we went through it in quite a lot of detail. Uh, some clips from episodes of uh, Alan Partridge's TV show and stuff and went into quite a lot of detail. Those are episodes I had to prepare in advance, unlike this one. And you can see the difference. The Alan Partridge episodes, everything was like very organised. I put a lot of work in. This episode is quite disorganised. Um, but with the Alan Partridge episodes, I, I was talking about how I was really wondering about what people would think. And, you know, are people going to understand it? Will you find it funny? I really didn't know. I thought maybe I'd just confuse everyone. Um but I feel like I've made a breakthrough with those episodes because I've had so many positive comments about those episodes. Um, there was one person who wrote a comment saying that the comedy episodes weren't for him. So like the vast majority of people wrote in saying, you know, I really appreciate these episodes about Alan Partridge. I love Alan Partridge as a character. He's fascinating. Most people were saying that. Uh, a couple of people, like one person said they didn't like the British comedy episodes because they didn't really understand the comedy. And so that made them feel disappointed. Okay. S a couple of people, one or two people said they didn't like the moment in the first part where Alan uh, <clears throat> made the child prodigy cry. I can understand that, you know, but that's, I mean, it wasn't a real child. I went through it in the episode, you know, when I got the email from the the, the teacher of the, the the class in Japan also got one or two other comments saying, oh, I just couldn't really laugh when uh, Alan made the child cry. It just, you know, couldn't laugh at that. I understand. I understand why you, you might not be able to enjoy that moment. And But the point of that moment was not that the child was crying. The point was that Alan, on live radio, slapped a child. So it's more, we're laughing at Alan and his patheticness and his inability to um be be modest um in any situation um even to the point where he, he will go so far as to pathetically slap a child like it's like in in a school playground or something uh like with the way that children slap each other i mean what alan did was it was like he was a child it's like he was like at, you know, at school, you get children and you get children who are maybe a year or two older who bully the other kids. And it's the sort of thing that a child, childhood bully would have done rather than a BBC uh, radio presenter. So that was the joke, really, rather than just, ha ha, he slapped a child. No, it's more complicated than that. But on the most part, for the most part, on the whole, um, um, <clears throat> On the whole, the response was very positive, which is great for me because it makes up for those painful moments in the past when I have failed to help my students to enjoy comedy, or at least I've felt like I've failed to help them enjoy it. I'm too sensitive probably about all this stuff. I think the key to uh, helping people understand comedy is to pre-teach a lot of the details, explain a lot of things first, give as much context as possible at uh, in advance, then let them listen, and then break it down bit by bit, you know, word for word, in fact, uh, because it's very hard to understand first time round. You need a lot of support to understand comedy like that. But I think you can start with support with episodes like that with me. Like you could start with those three episodes about Alan Partridge, where I'm kind of like holding your hand and taking you through it bit by bit. And then after that, you could probably start to watch more Alan Partridge without me and um, 
start to appreciate it more and more as you understand what you know how the character works and, and things like that uh i think i'm going to do part four i think i'll do alan partridge part four um at some point because it's just fun isn't it it's it is it's fun and there's lots of english that you can learn from it and i think it's it's really amazing to help people understand something on the level of a native speaker that previously they just couldn't understand at all so imagine it's like opening a box for people or it's like opening something up opening it out for people and letting them see all of it um also responses to the russian comedy club uh video so if you remember in the episode i did recently with amber and paul uh, I think it was called Discussing Comedy and Culture uh, with Amber and Paul. Uh, we watched uh, a clip of, from a video uh, by the Russian Comedy Club. Uh, the vi- that's a video which people send to me all the time. People send me that video a lot. Uh, they also send me the Eleven video, which is the Scottish guys in the voice-activated lift. And the Scot- Scottish guys are trying to get to the eleventh floor and the lift doesn't understand them. Uh, that's I like that sketch. It's, it's very funny. It's clever. It's well written. Um, it's, uh, it's not just people misunderstanding each other. It's also it, it starts to get into Scot- Scottish people's sense of frustration at you know being maligned um, as a member of the of, of the British Isles. Or I don't know. It starts to get into the details of like Scottish and English relationships and how the world sees Scotland and stuff. The other things that people send me are Carl Pilkington and Ricky Gervais teach English. That video. <clears throat> I don't know if you've ever seen that. It's a funny video. People send that to me all the time as well. Uh, and, and other things like, do you, do you speak English? That sketch that I, I dealt with like, in maybe one of the first episodes of this podcast, but, Lots of people send me these videos. So we talked about that video of the Russian Comedy Club. It's basically like three comedians. Uh, I guess they're Russian. Uh, one of them is meant to be a, an American radio presenter or TV presenter. And uh, one of his guests is an English music producer. And the other guest is his Indian uh, musician. And basically, um, the American host doesn't understand the English guy because uh, the English guy speaks in this extremely um, exaggerated way. Uh, which is, I guess, supposed to represent how English people sound. And then the Indian guy also speaks in this exaggerated Indian accent. And the idea is, I think, that the, the, the native... Well, what people tell me... See, I've, I, the response that I had with, with it was, uh, don't find it that funny because, you know, I don't really get it because I'm not Russian, I'm not in that context. So naturally, I'm not going to get it. But, I, you know, I, I don't want to judge... I don't want to say that I think objectively it's bad because I think that comedy is mostly subjective. You know, it's it just comes down to a question of taste. What some people find funny, other people don't because they can't see it from this, with the same eyes. And, you know, context is everything. But my first impression, and people ask me, what do you think of this video? And my first impression was, well, I don't really get it, I suppose. I mean, I, I think I understand the joke, which is that, you know, English people... Uh, Indian people are difficult to understand but I always thought it was just like Russian people found them difficult to understand but people have told me so I've I've had two types of response to that to to me talking about that the first response is from people saying yeah Russian comedy club is shit it's just mainstream entertainment Uh, those guys used to be funny years ago but these days they're just boring bland unimaginative not very clever and just crap 
And it's just an example of like uh, ma- mass mainstream entertainment. And in the UK, we have mainstream comedy as well. And, you know, it's pretty shit as well, to be honest. It's kind of like uh, lowest common denominator, dumbed down comedy, not very sophisticated, meant to appeal to, to a, a big audience. Uh, and so, you know, some people say it's just crap, basically. And so, you know, and they'd say, I'm Russian and I think it's terrible. And we, we have... We have much more. Um, uh, we have much better comedy than that. You know, more sophisticated comedy that's maybe underground that um, you know people don't really know about. That's harder to find. So I'm sure that in Russia you do. You, you just like everywhere you have like you know the more clever comedy and you've got the more ma- mainstream comedy, right? So you know, some people said it's mainstream comedy. It's it's sort of crap. And then other people have written to me saying, "Well, look, you don't really understand it because actually." If you watch the entire video, you'll start to understand that the, the point of the, the video is that uh, this is about how native speakers don't understand each other. That Russian people find it hilarious or ridiculous that, you know, because English is such a broad, um, is, is, as a language is used by such a broad uh, set of people, that Russian people find it hilarious that native speakers of this language might not understand each other. So in this sketch, the idea is the American guy doesn't understand the English guy. He doesn't understand the Indian guy. And, uh, right. But then I, I kind of think, well, it's not really that true because most of the time native speakers do understand each other. I think although some Americans do find it hard to understand non-American English. I don't know. I don't know. The You know, the jury is still out on this, but I think my final point on that video will be it's a, it's, a, it's a question of taste, and there's no accounting for taste. You can never really explain why some people like something and other people don't, um, but there it is. I, you know, I think we've talked about it enough now and probably analysed it too much. It's just a funny little sketch, uh, and it's, you know, it's quite amusing, actually. I find the performances more and more amusing. Certainly the English guy... I, 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 yes, 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 yes. I, I, I don't, I don't know what, I don't know what you're saying. I, I, I don't understand. I'm sort of starting to enjoy that performance, and weirdly, now I listen to other English people. If I'm, you know, listening to the radio, and I start to notice, actually, English people, we, we are quite hesitant sometimes. Maybe we do sound like that. If you don't know any of the words in English, it just sounds like we're going. Uh, 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 well, well, yeah, you know, we do sound a bit hesitant. So, I don't know. Right, moving on. Uh, talking of moving, actually, I wanted to say yes. I'm we're moving flat. We're moving house. Um, the expressions that we'd use in English for that would be to move. For example, we're moving next week. Uh, to move out, uh, we're moving out. Uh, to move flat or move house, uh, like so, we're moving next week. We're moving out of the flat. We're moving out next week. Uh, to move in or to move into something. We're moving into a new flat. When do you move in? We're moving into the flat, uh, you know, next weekend, for example. Um, so to move, to move house or to move flat, to move in, to move out. Um, so we are moving um, at some point in the next four weeks. We've got four weeks to get out of this place and to get into the other place. So basically that means goodbye, Skypod. <sighs> oh, it's the end of an era. I'm not really crying. Oh, it's the end of the era. It's, it's the end of an era. Maybe I will shed a tear. I don't know. When, when, when I actually do leave this place, I think I might get a bit emotional. I'm not now because 
it still doesn't seem real somehow because all the stuff is still here and we haven't actually got the keys to the other apartment yet. But maybe, I don't know, I might get emotional when I move out. I've been living here for six years now in this apartment. My wife and I have been living here for six years and, you know, and um, our daughter's been living here for 10 months. Uh, we've had lots of experiences and memories and lots of things have happened here. All the episodes of the podcast have recorded up here on the terrace there. All the magical moments that have happened, mainly on the terrace, especially when I've had Amber and Paul, those moments of us chatting on the, on the, on the rooftop. That's um, going to be consigned to history, all that stuff. Uh, so goodbye, Skypod. But uh, the place that we're moving to is, uh, is a better flat all round. Uh, here in this apartment, we are up in the roof of the building, um, and the main room has uh, the 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 walls slope down from the ceiling. It's like living in a big tent. It's like living in a big triangle. You know what I mean? the The ceiling, the 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 walls come down, sloping down all the way down to the floor, and so as a fairly tall person, that does restrict the places I can actually move around in. So I'm constantly like crouching down when I'm walking around. We have some wooden beams that are quite low. So I'm constantly crouching down and trying not to bump my head. I bump my head every day. I th- pretty much every day, I smack my head on something. The wall, a beam here, you know, something here, something there. Uh, that in, our, in our bathroom in this place, uh, we've got one of those sh- showers that's a bath as well. There's no shower curtain. We don't have space. There's no way to put a shower curtain in. Because the, the wall comes down like that. So you can't put a shower curtain in there. And so what happens is that I have to stand in one spot in the bath. I can't move to the left. If I do, then uh, the water will spray onto the floor. I can't move to the right because if I do, I'll have to bend my neck. So I'm, con- I have to, I'm forced to stay in one little position and shower myself like that without moving. If I move my arm up too much... The water comes flying off the end of my elbow and goes onto the floor. I mean, it's incredibly inconvenient and annoying. I'm used to it now after six years of like showering without moving, really, and getting water everywhere. The new place we're going to move into, it's got a proper shower uh, where you can actually go in and there's a door. You close the door and you're inside it. Oh, what luxury. And also there's more space. We've got, we're going to have... um, uh, yeah, just a bigger room. It's a, a living room, kitchen combined, and it's open. There's much more space there. Uh, we've got all. Of, there's a lot more storage, and uh, because the walls are not sloping, there's space for us to put shelves and cupboards. At the moment, where we are now, because the the, the walls slope down, all of our stuff is stored down near the bottom. So we have um, all of our shelf, bookshelves and things are all down at floor level. And since our daughter is now beginning to walk and she's crawling around and stuff uh everything is right right there available she can just pull all the books off all of the objects on shelves and things like that all the stuff in the kitchen is all a lot of our pots and pans are stored in uh things that are open and she you know if we're not careful she can get the pots and that she could have an accident and basically we've grown out of this place the new place yeah bigger more space there's a bedroom for the for the for our daughter. There's a a bedroom with more space for us because at the moment we've got our bed in the main room 
and the bedroom is being used by our daughter. Uh, but so it's kind of like a studio apartment with a bedroom attached to it for the for the baby. Um, but the new one, bedroom for the for, for our daughter, a bedroom for us, a proper living room with a, a nice kitchen with cupboards, proper cupboards, <clears throat> a proper shower, and a little balcony. That, I mean, we don't have a nice terrace where we can sit around, but there is a, a balcony that could fit a couple of chairs on it. So there is a little bit of outside space. I don't know what it'll be like to record podcasts up there. Um, we will have slightly less privacy because here there's no one around on the terrace. There's no one around you, but the, the balcony, there are our neighbours sort of share the same balcony. They will share the same balcony as us. Um, what else? And there is a little room on the top. There's a little staircase with a little room up there, which could be an office, could maybe feasibly be a very small bedroom. But I'm going to use it as my new Skypod. So that's cool. I'm actually very excited to move. I'll be sad to leave this place behind, uh, but it's going to be nice to move into another place. It's going to be more comfortable. It's going to be more expensive, um, but uh, it will be more comfortable and more practical for everything. So that's good news. So I wonder what it's going to be like. Um, I wonder what it'll be like for the podcast. We will see. We will see. I'll I'll maybe do a video there when I'm when I've properly installed myself, and you can have a little look at what it's like. I don't know. I'm going to have my books and stuff in there. There's lots of shelf space on the wall. Maybe stick my guitars up on the wall and things like that. So anyway, we've got. But the other thing is we've got a lot of 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 work ahead of us in terms of moving all of our stuff to the new place. Um, and you know, we've got a lot of stuff packed into this flat after six years of living here. So that's going to be chaotic and messy of like packing everything in boxes and moving it all to the new flat and then going up the stairs. We have to climb the stairs. There's no lift in the, in the new building. So we have to just go up the stairs, carrying all of our stuff. God knows how we're going to do it. So it could be four weeks or more of total chaos. I don't know how that's going to affect the podcast. I've moved flats a couple of times while you know in the time that I've been doing this podcast the big move was when I moved from London to Paris and I don't know if you've listened if you remember listening to those old episodes around about episode 100 it was when I moved to to France from London and I was probably talking about how my entire life is a total disaster and total chaos with all my uh, all my possessions all strewn about all over the place and my kitchen uh, in in uh, various states of disrepair so it could be similar levels of chaos um this time we will see i don't know how that's going to affect the podcast but hopefully it shouldn't be too disruptive because i'm able to the good the good thing about doing this is that i mean i've got my setup here in the skypod but i can make this uh portable i can just take my recorder and uh, stick a more portable microphone in it and record anywhere so hopefully it won't affect the the podcast too much we will see but it's exciting i'm looking forward to moving in um I, sp- I I was texting Amber and Paul today, and Amber said to me, "Oh, apparently you're moving." And she she wrote a, a, an emoji with a tear running down her eye. She's like, "Oh, you're moving," T- you know, tear tear uh, teardrop. Um, and she was like, "Oh yeah, we, we you know we should have a final goodbye episode to say goodbye to the to the skypod and the terrace." So perhaps I can get Amber and Paul here. Paul's in Canada at the moment. Uh, but maybe I can just get Amber and hopefully Paul too uh, up here 
to record one final episode on the terrace before moving to uh, new podcast headquarters. Um, we'll see. Okay. Now, um, the other, the, the final thing I wanted to, to say was, well, people ask me, how's your wife? Uh, she's fine. She's great. Thanks very much. In fact, I recorded an episode with her just the other day. <clears throat> people sometimes say, hey, you should get your wife back on the podcast. Uh, she was uh, in an episode which I recorded. It's a premium episode uh, because she's a premium person. Um, so it will be a premium episode. And in that one, uh, we're going to go through various phrases that she has learned from me after living with me for, well, living with me for six years and being with me for nearly nine years. She's learned quite a lot of English from me, as you can imagine. But we kind of distilled that down to just a series of phrases, like common phrases and sayings, which have stuck with us for years, because either I've used them a lot or she's heard my family use them, and they and she's learned them and started using them herself. Phrases that she didn't know before, phrases that she'd never learned at school, or little phrases which actually are quite difficult, quite tricky, but extremely useful in our daily lives. So there'll be a premium episode with her going through all those phrases. And you can listen to that soon, I hope. There's, there may be two episodes, that conversation with my wife, and then another episode where I actually just clarify the, the phrases and give you a chance to to test yourself and do some pronunciation drills and things with them. So that's coming up. But uh, she's fine. Thank you for asking. Uh, and also the other question is, how's your daughter? She's great. Uh, we're very happy, very lucky that she is very smiley and lots of fun. She's hilarious. She makes us laugh every day. Uh, she's, uh, I don't know how to say it really, she's developing fast. She's starting to stand up now. She can stand up on her own for about 10 seconds before she kind of drops, you know, before she falls over. She's just very funny, does lots of funny things. She's sleeping okay. Very, feeling very lucky. I hope that it, it carries on like this, that she continues to just be sweet and nice. I mean, eventually she'll become 13 years old and it'll probably be a nightmare. I don't know. But um, at the moment, things are fine. I expect people out there will be thinking, oh, just wait, Luke, just wait until she's two. When they get to two, that's when it all goes wrong. The terrible twos. She'll be having temper tantrums. She'll, she won't want to do this. She'll be pushing all the the... the She'll be pushing the the uh, the limits, testing, testing you, seeing what's acceptable and what's not acceptable, maybe. But anyway, at the moment, she's really cute uh, and sweet, so we're very happy about that. Uh, but she will be walking soon. T not really talking yet. She does say daddy. She definitely says daddy. My wife doesn't want to believe it, uh, but she definitely says daddy. Like the other day, she was having a bath. My wife was giving her a bath. I came in and she definitely went, Daddy, like that, of course. So naturally, I'm feeling very proud. She has said Mama maybe twice, but she says Daddy every day. <laughs> ha, 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 ha. Um, but it's amazing being a dad. Um, um, and I, I've been thinking about this quote from George Harrison. You know, George Harrison, one of the members of the Beatles, I heard George Harrison in an interview talking about being a father and he said, 
the, 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 it's very strange because when you become a dad, it's like you can, on one hand, you can become a child again. So it's like you relive your childhood in a way because I'm playing with her and I see the world through her eyes. So it's like kind of reliving my childhood. And, but at the same time, I also get to see what it's like from my dad's point of view. So it's like these three things all at the same time. I'm ex- it's like weirdly experiencing three generations of experience at the same time. I get to see things as a child through my daughter's eyes. There's me, my experience. And then I kind of suddenly get more perspective of what it must be like or must have been like for my dad bringing up me. So now I'm much closer to my, my dad in a way because now I know what it's like to be a dad. So it's like weird having these three generations of experience d- compressed into one. And there's me in the middle with the younger generation, older generation above me having this global experience. It's, it's really weird. It's kind of profound and, and great. I hope it stays like that. I hope that she continues to be lovable and adorable and that she doesn't just annoy us uh, by being a, a, a brattish teenager or something. Who knows? You don't know, do you? You just don't know what's going to happen. All you can do is just try and enjoy the moment and just be grateful for what you've got. Yeah. Ladies and gents, thank you for listening to this long and rambling episode, an hour and 30 minutes. Thank you also for watching the video uh, in the app or online if you're a premium subscriber. Thanks for being a premium subscriber, by the way, and supporting the podcast. Um, If you'd like to sign up, uh, go to teacherluke.co.uk slash premium and you can get all of the premium stuff um, there as well. Okay? All right. Good. Speak to you again soon. But for now, goodbye. Bye. 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 Thanks for listening to Luke's English Podcast. For more information, visit teacherluke.co.uk. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. If you enjoyed this episode of Luke's English Podcast, consider signing up for Luke's English Podcast Premium. You'll get regular premium episodes with stories, vocabulary, grammar and pronunciation teaching from me and the usual moments of humour and fun. Plus, with your subscription, you will be directly supporting my work and making this whole podcast project possible. For more information about Luke's English Podcast Premium, go to teacherluke.co.uk slash premium info.